0: Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Hey, it's good to be here to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning and um I guess what I wanted to share, you know, this is the time, I don't know about you guys, but once upon a time, the pastor's wife would get up and everybody's eyes would roll back in their head and it's like, sleep, yeah. I'm hoping to keep you awake. That would be my victory today. (laughs) And anyway, I had this, I've got this word that I want to share with you because I have a sense in my spirit that um, we heard in the prophetic this morning, it's a new day, it's time for something new to happen. And um, when we planted Faith Point, when we, God placed it in our hearts to do this, and the prophets spoke, we knew that God didn't want us to follow down the line what churches we've already done in the past have been like. And so when you've got a white canvas ahead of you, or a black canvas, depending which colour you choose, I like white. LAUGHTER Some of you guys, you're allowed to laugh. It's all right. I like the white. He likes the black or whatever. (laughs) When you've got a canvas in front of you, you think to yourself, Woohoo And the first thing you want to do is fill it up with everything you know, right? right. And then God speaks and you go, oh, I might have to put you on the side here over here, Lord. But I know that God wants us to do something different. And it's not just James and I. It's all of us. And so, as I came to write this word, and I've, I've written this really, really flash intro. It's never going to be heard because God, God got up this morning and God said, Would you stop prattling and get on with it? It's like, Oh, oh sorry, Lord, sorry, Lord. So, that's the way I'm going to do it today. And it comes from probably meeting with our elders. They're a great bunch of people, really good bunch of people. They're not yes men. Which staggers me a bit because I would like a yes man for once in my life, Lord. (laughs) He's going to get a lot of stick today, you can tell, eh? And so as we start talking and churning, I'm suddenly realising, my God, this is not going to be, this is going to turn things. So I need to speak something into our church life that's going to turn things. And one of the things that God spoke to us at the very beginning is this is all about the body of Christ, it's not about you and James getting up and doing the thing. So just recently I hit the wall and I realised that I'm going this way and God was saying, that's how my father used to talk to me, hey, get over here. And so I've come to this realisation and so I'm prattling, very sorry, but I like talking. You know, one of the things is this, God has placed us in a family And though it rolls off our tongue easily, we are family, I got all my sisters with me, we sing that all the time in our spirit. We really don't know much about each other, do we? And yet God has put us in a family because he wants us to look after each other. He wants us to be able to do, everybody in this room to do what me and James do, to go overseas, to do missions, to take teams. He wants you to be able to preach, to pray for the sick, all of it. Amen. And the thing is, is that we say it and we assent to it, and then we get together as a body and we just sit. And who wants to do that when you've been a Christian for 100 years? Not me. Amen we're going somewhere, aren't we? That's what I got onto Christianity for in the first place. We're going somewhere. And so God, he's tricky, man. He's really tricky. He put us in this family because then we can't be just an army where we take orders from everybody on the top layer, is what we thought. We can't just sit around like a corporation and make big decisions. And we can't just sort of run away when we feel like it and then come back, this is our family. And the family is about one thing, it's about relationship. And so, when we get to the Word, the Word of God says this. If we go to 1 John 2, verse 12 to 14, as you just want to turn there. This is talking about the spiritual state of a church. And it says this. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Now this word is all about the people of God in community, in church, and he's addressing different parts of the church. The little children are the younger Christians who are learning about the grace of God, and they've just got saved. And they're learning about how their sins can be forgiven without them even trying to do anything. They're learning that God loves them. They know that God is the Father. Amen? Yes. And then you've got the young men and women. This is the one we all think we're into. Yeah, I'm young. Not. (laughs) Dream on, woman. And it says this. Younger men and women are older Christians who are learning to overcome the temptations of the flesh, the world, and the devil. And who are learning to stand on the word of God and learning that in the word of God, there are weapons of warfare that we take on the devil with. That's the young people. They're strong. They can stay up all night, not, not like us, us old ones. We get to nine o'clock and we start to wither, like the flowers do. <laughs> Least I'm a pretty flower. I wither. He's a pooha. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so these young ones, you know, they can do it. They've got all the energy. They got, and it's in this, these ones that are learning that they've got gotten past the salvation stage, and they've got to that like come on, bring it on, man. I can do this. I'm going to fight the devil. And they learn about all that. And then you have the older ones, the fathers and the mothers. And that scripture says in verse 13 and 14, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And this is talking about those of us who have been with the Lord for some time, and got past, we know what salvation is. We know what the grace of God is. We know how to take on the devil and win or not, but we've learned the lessons. Amen. Amen. And then we have the older people. Now, in this day and age, I've got to say it, but a lot of the older people are shifted aside. And yet this is the axis, the axis ac- sorry, sorry, wrong word axis. That the whole family of God shifts on. Because they have the experience. They have been through the troubles and the trials. Yes. They know how to get victory. They know how to keep away from some things. When young people, young people in the uh, the younger believers in the faith, well, they say, Come on, give me a principality. Well, all of us older ones know you don't take principalities on by yourself. Amen. But when we're young and stupid, sorry guys, when we're young and stupid, we say, bring it, man, I can do this, and they go all over the floor, and then you stand up and go, oh, what happened? I thought I had the power of God. Yeah, well, read on, Trojan, it doesn't go like that. You've got to take your mates with you and fight, but we know that, because we have been there, done that. Now the whole family of God does not shift on everybody getting together and having a good time and then going home. It shifts on the mothers and the fathers of the faith. And the devil's plan has always been in the churches, get, get rid of the older generation. They're no good to us anymore. Who's felt that when they've been older? They shift over, man. This is for the young people. And there, right there, You get rid of all the experience. I mean, who thought of that? Obviously didn't have a brain. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. I won't go there. I'll start spitting tacks. I'm not allowed to. See, the mothers and the fathers have come full circle from the place of salvation through all the different stages and the lessons that the Lord has shown them. And they are now able to responsibly, responsibly reproduce themselves and others. Amen? Yes. Let's hear it for the mothers and fathers of the faith. Woohoo! Now, I'm not suggesting that everything now is going to be taken over by older people, because you get some older people that are still very young. Let's leave it at that and let's not go any further on that. But this is how God has made it. In a family, that spiritual inheritance is taken from the older and passed on to the younger. Because it's been said and said again. What happens is this, that we use up all the blessing and an inheritance of God that we learn, that's the older people. We hang on to it. We teach the younger generation nothing, and they have to start again. You think of it this way, if we got an inheritance, say me and James, and we spent the whole lot on anything we would have felt like it, like motorbikes and stuff like that. <laughs> good eh? that was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. If we spent all our money and in our inheritance, our kids would have to start from scratch. How unfair is that? When we call them our sons, and then we say, actually, you know what, start again, I'm going now, bye. I'm going to paradise, leaving you behind. And so we must see it time and time again, that the whole thing, it twists on the mothers and the fathers of the faith. You who have been in Christianity for a long time, perhaps there's a lesson that you're still trying to get your head around, but you have so much spiritual inheritance on board that you cannot keep it to yourself. It's got to move down the line so that the kingdom of God will be built on the platform of what we have placed there. When the next generation comes, they will say, here's the platform that our forefathers built. Let's build on top of that. Not, where is the platform? We've got to start again and excavate the foundations again. And it will take decades and decades for them to get where they we are now, and then they will move on, and then they'll die. And so the next generation have to start again. So God is tricky if only we will listen. And he put us in families. And he's saying, have a relationship as young children, as young people, as mothers and fathers of the faith, and build this thing that I'm cho- I've got in my heart. I'm choosing you to live amongst these people and pass on what you have. Now, I'm going to address today the mothers and the fathers of the faith. Now, you don't have to be grey-haired to be a mother or father of the faith. You just have had to have walked with God some. Amen? Amen. You just have to have walked with God some. You have had to sub- have submitted your life to God. You have had to have read your Bible and know what's going on in there. That's what a mother and a father of the faith is. And you all know. How do you know that I'm a mother? I've got tummy trickies, haven't I? Little weenie tummy trickies, or I've got children. And you will see the mothers and the fathers of the faith because they are interested in the children and their growth. So they will grow up in the ways of God because of the input of somebody who is responsibly reproducing themselves and others. My kids have my name. I have the father's name. And I will direct my spiritual children to the Father. That's how it works. So it will keep going and going, not keep going round in circles. I mean that people of God did that already. They went 40 days, 40 40 years round and round in the desert. We don't want to do that. All I have, by the time I die, needs to be emptied out and passed on. So that they will do. Better than us? Same as us? Less than us? What is it? Better than us. Better than us. My father raised me so that one day I would have more than he does, and I have because of the platform he built into my life. So let's get going on this, hey? You guys all right? So we, um, so we go through, and we go to 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15. Remember, this is God's plan. we be in family, generationally living together, one passing on, but we have to have this one thing, relationship. It has never been God's plan for us to come to church and be an island unto ourselves. But we have to answer this question, will I be vulnerable enough to share with a father and a mother of the faith that I'm not doing well, and for a father and a mother to share your stories with other people. That's how it happens. Now I could share my stories with everybody in this room. But then you'd have to wait until I'll come around full circle before I tell you another one. Wouldn't it be so much easier if everybody in this room who's been with Jesus for a long time and gotten what God is all about and passed it on, would have this everyday flow of stories of encouragement Amen. Somebody to talk to, somebody to love us when we're having unlovable days. And yet, at the same time, we would have that wonderful feeling of raising someone up. Do you know, um, parenthood is the most frustrating thing. Don't you wish kids were born with a a book that told you how to do it? It is the most frustrating thing. And yet, I would climb mountains backwards just to hear my boy say I love you. I would do it and I'd do it again. You know, I say to them, that kid, uh, no, nah, not going up. No, nah, he can look after himself. He's made a mess of that. No, nah, I'm not going to do it. And then the phone rings, text comes beep, beep, beep. Guess who's on the other end? What's wrong? Are you alright? <laughs> and so I become the ATM machine, the taxi driver, all those things, you know. And I do it again. It's so frustrating. I don't want to do it, but I have to. And see that's why I reckon God's tricky. He knows that. And so when we discover the mother or father in our lives, we can't help ourselves. He brasses me off when he does that because I'm trying to have some me time. And then the phone rings. Uh-huh. Anyway, oh yeah. So first Corinthians first Corinthians first <laughs> Corinthians four verse fifteen. For though you have many, might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers or mothers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. It was never meant that we would have spiritual revelation and keep it to ourselves. You, excuse me, do you know that? God has always meant anything he shows you to pass it on. Pass it on. God passes things on to us. Freely, freely you have received, so freely give. See, we all know it. We've been around Jesus a long time. So there is a difference between a father and an instructor. In the days when the scripture was written, apparently, I believe everything I read in uh, the Matthew Henry commentary, because he's clever, (laughs) and it's easy like that, anyway, The difference is that in those days, the instructors were slaves. They weren't brothers, sisters. They were not not relational towards the person they were looking after. So they made sure their kids got to their lessons, got home, and they made sure that their behaviour was good. That was the job, and it was a job. So that's the instructor, But a father, however, is much more committed to the process of growing up a son. He has a close relationship. Now, so if you hear somebody says she's a mother of Israel or he's a father in the faith and he's got nobody near him, I think again. Because he doesn't want to pass anything on. More often than not, he wants a minion. That minion belong at Walt Disney Studios. They don't belong in the church So he wants a son. A father wants a son. He wants to pour out his heart and his soul into this person, this vessel. He wants to show him everything that he needs to get from point A to B. He wants to know that the child is going to get there to the destination. And so often he'll be up late at night making sure he's okay. Making sure he's emotionally fit, spiritually fit and physically fit. Always, always at the door, making sure he's okay. That's the difference between an instructor and a father. And there are many instructors. Some of us get a little bit of knowledge and we stretch it like anything and we pass it on and then we run away, leave the person there to cope with what we've just said. But a father never does that. Amen. Some of you know what it's like when you have a son or a daughter and you need to keep talking to them. Some of you know what it's like in the house of God when you know somebody is not doing well and you've begun a relationship with them as a younger person and you just want to make sure they're going to be okay. Amen? That's the difference between a father and an instructor. (coughs) Timothy was Paul's example. Paul trusted Timothy. And Timothy would always honour Paul by making mention of him during his preaching and during his writings. Because they were in a relationship. They weren't mentored and menteed and coach and coach I don't know what you call it, a coachie. <laughs> Coachy. <laughs> they weren't that. They were in a relationship. They were father, they were son. And Timothy always looked up to him. And little children and young men need more than an instructor. They need a father that cares, who has a commitment to see them through to their destination, as I said. When there is an absence of fathers, there is no one to ensure the succession of the spiritual inheritance, or in the big picture, there's no one to ensure that Christianity will live on. Because the fathers take all those things to the grave with them, and there is nobody to ensure succession. Amen. So what about the mothers? There's a, there's a scripture in the Bible, and it's, it's about uh, Judges, at Judges five verse, verses six to nine, if we go there. It's a term, a mother in Israel, used by Deborah one of the prophetesses of the Bible, the Old Testament. And she says this, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, I probably said that all wrong, it doesn't matter, the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel. Until I... Deborah, a rose, a rose, a mother in Israel. They chose new gods, then there was war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offer themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. If you look back on that previous chapter in Judges 4, You say, what is it that a mother in Israel needs? Not a big mouth. We used to think when we went to the marae, if you had a big mouth, you must be a leader. Actually, it doesn't work like that. She was a prophetess. She heard from God. This is a mum in Israel. She hears from God, and she's proud of it, that she hears from God. She doesn't apologise when God speaks to her, especially if they're really difficult words. She was a judge in Israel. So she could judge wisely. And the people respected her wisdom and advice. The mothers in Israel they'll come into the house of God and they will, they will respect the wisdom and advice that the mother in Israel gives. Is she support she supports the appointed leader and she helps the leader to conquer? Whatever God has said to him, this is what I'll do. Since James and I uh, first got married, my biggest um, job was to support the pulpit. Whatever came so- come over the pulpit, that's what I supported. Because I knew that my blessing in God would come because of the spoken word coming over me supporting that. I would never ever come against the word that's preached over the pulpit. Never. Not in public, I'm talking about. Now, if I had a problem with it, of course, I'd just talk to him about it or whoever preached. But even in that is support. So if you have a desire to pass on spiritual blessing and inheritance to the next generation, and you are a woman, be careful of what you say. Amen? Be careful. I've been caught in that trap too many times. Talking with and then talking about. I, I have been. That has been my problem as well. Until God got a hold of me and showed me the damage I was doing in people's lives. A mother in Israel won't do that. They'll always be encouraging the leadership. They'll always be encouraging the word that comes over the pulpit. They'll always be encouraging fellowship, amongst churches, that sort of stuff. And they have got good wisdom and good advice. Another thing she was, she was an exhorter. But you look at Judges five. Are you guys all right? You've just gotten a bit quiet here. You look at Judges five and you look at the look at the The way things were before she rose up. Now she rose up and she said, I am a mother in Israel. A lot of us wait for somebody to pray that on us. Come on. You know what you are. Amen. You know that you have wisdom hanging around inside your spirit. You know that you could help that person out with their problem. Just by giving them advice, speaking with them, caring about them. You know you can do that. You do not need to have somebody tell you you know where you fit in the house of God. Amen. Somebody might speak it into your life and encourage you from leadership, but at the end of the day, we sit in our seats and we wait for somebody to tell us to do it. Amen. And God is saying, come on, people, stand up. This is your family. If anything happened in my family, I would never sit down. I'd say, come on, have a go, have a go. But I would never, ever sit down and let bad things happen in my family. Amen. And so God puts us in the house of God because he wants us to relate to each other just like that. And I know that there is a special part for our own personal families. Yes. But this is the blueprint. If anybody was looking for a blueprint to bring unity and stability to the family, this is it. We look after each other. We allow the mothers and the fathers of the faith to bring things to our life. And mothers and fathers of the faith, you have to stand up. You cannot wait. You have to stand up. Even if it's just to bring a word of encouragement to the, to the leaders of the church. Stand up. Amen? It's never, ever been meant for us to come to church and that's it. That's it. There's nothing after that. There is more. 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 Much more. Just because I am old, there's more because I have some things that God has shown me and taught me. I don't want younger people to go through that. I remember when I was a a young pastor's wife and we went to, we were with Elam at that stage. Great, They were a great movement and we used to do some Um, Pastors gatherings And I can remember I went and I had two young babies then And of course The conference was geared towards pastors Learning about how to grow their churches And all the rest of it And I had my two babies James had to go into the meetings Because that's what that was all about And I remember this lady saying I thought to myself Why haven't they got a place we can go with our kids Because we were sitting outside and it was cold. This is Wellington. And I can remember this woman going past saying, I remember those days, and now it's your turn. I thought, you stupid woman. Couldn't you have grown something when it was your turn? Surely. And this is what God is asking of us. Mothers and fathers of the faith, you who have been with Jesus for a while, it doesn't finish here. Coming to church Sunday, even serving in church Sunday, it's more. From glory to glory, he's changing me. Amen? Amen. And that does not mean that we can sit and do nothing. If this is what I believe God is saying, church growth spins on, mothers and fathers, everybody taking their place and passing on through relationship, then we need to do something, or this time next year we will be exactly the same. Nothing changes. You say, where shall I start? I think the best thing to do is say hi to each other. Hi to each other. It's not that hard to do. I'm not asking you to go and fill them with the Spirit and then go and baptise them and then go and take them. I'm not asking that. All I'm saying is begin with relationship. Don't be an island on yourself. Share it. Share what you've got around. God gave it to you because he entrusted you to pass it on, not to hang on to it. Amen? And so when we are in the house, it is always good. Start with, hi, my name is. What's your name? Amen. I want to hide. <laughs> yeah. So before before she to tu- she before she rose up, Deborah. I'm talking about rose up and said, "I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel." She took, She decided to take responsibility for that. The, it says here the highways were deserted, which meant not much trade was going on. It wasn't a prosperous place. It says the travellers walked along the byways. It wasn't safe. So they walked in restricted areas away from the main highway. Village life ceased. Everybody became introverted. And they worried only about themselves. And they were isolated. And so there was no community life or that one other thing that's important for Christians fellowship. There was none of that. They chose new gods, other things began to overrun their lives, and they made a choice between meeting with God or going to play whatever. Meeting with God or going to the show down the road. Now, come on, meeting with God. Also, there was a war at the gates. So the war was uh, the gates were the place where the fathers of the city sat to advise, to rule, to keep the inhabitants safe, and there were now none. So they fought amongst themselves. So what happens, I remember hearing this, what happens when a church doesn't go mobilise, it cannibalises? When a church isn't mobilised, it cannibalises. So it starts to pick off each other because there's no enemy to fight. Amen? Not a shield or spear we're seeing amongst Israelis. The people had lost their desire to fight the enemy. So nowhere in the city were there shields or spears or the weapons of your warfare because nobody actually wanted to engage the devil anymore. Why should we? I don't know how to do it. Guess who's got the knowledge? Those who have walked through these things with the Lord and sharpened and sharpened the weapons of their warfare. And those are the ones that pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. And so in in those days in Israel, there was not a shield to be seen. Nobody was preparing for war. Before that, the the warriors would go out and they would practice how to use their shields and their swords and their spears. Nobody was practicing because you know what? We don't want to fight the devil no more. So you could see, without that spiritual inheritance amongst the people, there was nothing. There was nothing. Absolutely nothing. So at the end of it, Judges 5, there was a victory song that Barak, who Deborah was helping out, there was a victory song that Barak and Deborah sung. And in it, Judges 5 verse 2, it says, Israel's leaders took charge, and the people gladly followed. Praise the Lord. Israel's leaders took charge Israel's mothers and fathers took charge Who's the boss in the house? Is it the kids? (laughs) Let's not go there It's the mum and the dad And it's the same in the household of God Now some of us are big sisters, some of us are uh, are big brothers, that's okay, but the mothers and the fathers of the faith, you know who you are, you know who God's prophesied over, you know your prophecies, that God has said we will move on, you will move on, you will influence people, but it's here, in the house of God, start here, and like I said, start with, please, hi, my name is... So I have come to the end of the message. I don't know how it took me, what, 10 minutes? (laughs) But I want to ask this morning, I have a question. If the succession of Christianity is reliant on people in the house who know Jesus and are ready to pass on what they know, the first thing I've got to say to you is this. Are you a mother... Or a father in the faith? Or are you a young person in the faith? Or are you still a child, still learning? Now, it's not about raising our egos and saying, well, <laughs> I'm a mother. you know, Answer the question. Answer the question properly. How do I know that I am a mother or father in the faith? Faith, faith, faith look behind you. How many people are following you? How many people are you loving into a place that they will reach their destiny? How many? Some of us here also have been at that place and we've come to the point where something has happened, there's been a disconnect. God needs to connect you up again because we need you. We need you. We need you to turn things on an axis. We need you to teach James and I can get to a few people a week, but we can't get to everybody. We need you to pass on the result of your hurt. We need you to pass on the result of your processes. We need you to pass on your spirituality to the next generation so that when the next church is is being built and we have gone, these young people will have something to build on. We cannot leave it. We cannot leave it. When the young ones are raising their families and we have not intervened and showed them how what will happen to their children. This is important to us. And it's all built on relationship. Oh, I can do this, just me and God. It was never meant to be that way. Your name is not Elijah. Your name is not Moses. Maybe if you were born back there, it would have been. But don't... God's put you into this house for a purpose. Not to just take, but also to give. Amen.